Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, February 7th, 2022. If you're like me, you love it when things go according to plan. And you kind of really don't enjoy it when things start to not go the way that you planned or the way that you thought that they would. Well, here's an encouraging thing. If you are a believer, you can rest assured that everything is going according to plan. Problem with that is we have to ask the question, according to whose plan? Because not everything is going to go according to your plan, but you can take comfort knowing that everything is going according to God's plan, and we can put our hope in His character, we can put our hope uh, in His promises, and move forward even when things aren't going according to our plan. And we're going to get a taste of that today in our Old Testament reading in Exodus 5 through 7. So, We've seen the oppression in Egypt. We've seen the birth of Moses. We've seen the call of Moses through the burning bush. And he is sent back to Egypt. And now he goes. And in chapter 5, Moses and Aaron now go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, that's a great idea, Moses and Aaron. Why don't we do that? Why don't you guys go? You know, I'm... I've been thinking about that. I don't know why nobody's ever said that before. Yeah, why don't you go? No, that's not at all what he says. Uh, That's not at all how he responds. In fact, he responds by making the lives of all the Hebrew slaves harder. That now they have to make their bricks without straw, but still meet the same quotas every day. And guess what? Shocker, they don't meet the quotas. And that becomes a source of conflict. And even the people are complaining in a sense to Moses and Aaron. They're saying, the Lord look on you and judge in verse 21, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you even, why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. And that's something we got to see. This is not the only time we'll see this in scripture, and it's not going to be something that you won't feel in your life, where you feel that God has called you to do something. And let's even get stronger than feel. You know God has called you to do something because you're stepping out in obedience to a command in scripture, or maybe you are stepping out to serve God in some way and not too far into it. You're going to be like, God, why did you even have me do this? Uh, And if we all kind of gave up at that, uh, lots of uh, things that could have been done for the kingdom of God throughout history would not have been done. We need to be reminded that God's plan often will involve opposition God's plan usually throughout scripture and in the course of your life isn't, well, it's just all going to be easy because God has reasons for that. God's going to build the faith of the Israelite people. God is going to show his glory over Pharaoh and over the Egyptian gods and, and the Egyptian people in a way that would not have been seen if they had just said, oh yeah, you can go. God had a plan. That plan 
took longer maybe than Moses or the Israelites would have wanted to, but God had a plan. And we see a little bit of just God responding to Moses as it switches from chapter five into chapter six. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant." Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched hand and great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Right? And just... He's saying, I'm going to show you who I am. And so that's where when we're trusting God's plan and we're seeing that, okay, God's plan is clearly different than my plan. What we need to do in those moments is instead of complain uh, or instead of fear or instead of doubt, what we need to do is trust that we are about to see the glory of God. We need to be waiting on the edge of our seats saying, wow, If God has this plan, uh, I need to expect that he is going to do something that glorifies his name. And if it seems really different from what I'm thinking, then I must start thinking, well, God's plan must be better. And I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch and I'm going to see what God is going to do. It's always going according to God's plan. So let's prayerfully learn to trust that and see what God is going to do. Because God then starts to show his power, show his glory. And that's part of clearly what his plan was here. Part of the plan was clearly to let the Israelites go, but part of it was to do it in such a way that his power and his glory were seen. And we see that in chapter seven, even just with Moses and then Aaron, right? That the staff turns into a serpent, but Pharaoh's, you know, people, they do that too. But the serpent of Moses and Aaron, it swallows up all the other ones, showing just the superiority of what God could do. And then we see the first plague, the water of the Nile River turning to blood, God showing his power. Uh, you know, the, the Nile River was the source of life for this whole nation, right? Uh, you couldn't have had the nation of Egypt without the Nile River. And in a moment, God says, I can take that away. I can make that useless by turning it into blood. And we see the power and glory of God, and we'll see more of that as we continue with the 10 plagues. But what we need to see is it didn't just go, you know, in an easy way, according to a human definition, right? God can do whatever he wants, but often he walks us through things where there will be opposition and he does it really to show his glory, to build our faith. So let's trust God's plan and let's learn when we find that, well, my plan seems really different from God's plan. How's that working out? Let's learn to anticipate in those moments, seeing the glory of God.
Now, our New Testament portion today is going to bring us to a question that can be really concerning to some people. Today, we are looking at Luke 8, 1 through 3, Matthew 12, 27 through 37, and Mark 3, 20 through 30. And in the Matthew and Mark passages, we see Jesus speak about an unforgivable sin. Now, just even that phrase might strike terror into some of your hearts because you're saying, whoa, 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 there's an unforgivable sin. And that leads you to the next uh, logical thought from that saying, uh, have I committed that? Because if I have, that's bad news, right? That means I can't be forgiven. That means I'm going to hell, right? And that can start all kinds of panic. But what we see, well, what is Jesus talking about? And it really comes in response to a conversation where Jesus heals this blind and mute man, this demon-oppressed man, and the Pharisees say he's casting out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. So they're saying that what Jesus is doing is demonic. That is what's going on in these conversations. And so if you're saying, have I committed the forgivable sin? There's a couple things, just even looking at this context that I would try to say to you is one, it seems to me even that the forgivable sin is something unique to the time of Christ, this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, because they're taking, literally watching Jesus cast out demons, and they're ascribing that to more demonic activity, right? I think that's something even that was unique to the time of Christ. And also, I get the sense that it's unforgivable, but also when people are that far gone um, in, in ascribing this activity, it's also kind of unrepentable. They're not going to turn from that sin. Because what I don't think we see anywhere else in scripture, if it helps clarify this one, we never see someone coming to God um, in repentance and faith and God saying, no, I'm sorry, you committed the unforgivable sin, right? Romans tells us all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't then go on to say, except if you by chance have committed this unforgivable sin. And also, this unforgivable sin is not something accidental. It is a willful ascribing of this activity of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to demons, right? So hopefully, if that is ever a question that has bugged you or vexed you, that that can help you understand it. But also, we see a little uh, just example of Jesus's teaching there at the end of our passage in Matthew, in verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so they were reminded that the kind of tree it is determines the kind of fruit that is born. And so even in our own lives, it's a good reminder that all of us need a change from the inside out. We need a new heart that then will bear new fruit. And the only way to get that new heart is really based on what Jesus has done for us, turning from our sin, putting our faith in him. And if you have look at your own life and you're like, man, it's just nothing but bad fruit. Just remember no amount of effort or going to church or reading the Bible is going to change that. What you need is a new 
heart. And the only one that can give that to you is Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So call out to him and trust that he will change you, that he will give you that new heart. Remember, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's be encouraged by that. And let's also be encouraged by the plan of God and the sovereignty of God and the power of God, even when things don't seem to be going according to our plan. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.